Today, we are going to be reading Pride and Premeditation by Teresa Pine. <coughs> it is a twist on the classic Pride and Prejudice, and <coughs> it gets a murder mystery makeover in this new series based on Jane Austen's most beloved books. Now, this is what it is about. <coughs> 17-year-old aspiring law student Lizzie Bennett and young fledging lawyer Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy go head-to-head in a murder case that has shocked London high society. But as the case and her feelings for Darcy become more complicated, Lizzie discovers that her dream career could make her happy, but also might get her killed. So let's read. Chapter 1, in which our heroine is wrong and inquires a new lead. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a brilliant idea, conceived and executed by a clever young woman, must be claimed by a man. Elizabeth Bennet stood in the offices of an optimistically named law firm of Longburn and Sons, and fixed her father's junior partner, Mr. Collins, with her fiercest glare. However, Mr. Collins just ignored her as he regaled the firm's employees with the details of her escapades as though they were his own. I knew from the very moment Mrs. Davies pleaded her case with us that something was not quite right about her story. Her husband accused of embezzlement, and she, a clerk's wife, dressed like a baroness? He let out a loud abrasive laugh that made Lizzie's head ache. Mr. Collins was too preoccupied with his own importance to pay attention to something as trivial as the state of a woman's clothes. If Lizzie were to demand he close his eyes and name the color of her own spencer, she doubted that he'd be able to. A fine emerald brocade of the record show, her older sister, Jane, had once said the jacket's color made Lizzie's eyes look bright. Lizzie's father, Mr. Bennett, listened to Mr. Collins account with the patience of a man who had a long experience in enduring long-windedness. And what happened next? I made the appropriate inquiries, but still had my suspicions. I called upon Mrs. Davis three days later to question her some more. At one point, she became so flustered that she accused herself, excused herself, allowing me time to uh, glance upon the writing desk. I hoped that I might find some stray sum sheets or letters. Mr. Cullen fumbled, and Lizzie raised her eyebrows. Is that so? she asked. No one paid Lizzie any attention, and Mr. Collins continued. In fact, I found a rather intimate note, signed J.A. I found that highly suspicious. So I questioned the neighbors and learned that Mrs. Davies stepped out at the same time every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon. She often didn't return for hours. I followed her the next day when I discovered the identity of J.A., John Alston, her husband's boss. Lizzie's dear friend, Charlotte Lucas, gushed audibly from her desk. As Longburn's secretary, she was privy to many scandalous details of the firm's various cases, but they were rarely, rarely as salacious as this. It had been precisely Lizzie's reaction when she'd discovered that Mrs. Davis had been having 
an affair with the very man who'd accused her her husband James of embezzlement. It was all a deviously clever setup. And now I turn the case over to you, sir, as barrister to prove our client's innocence and demand justice. With great ceremony, Mr. Collins handed over the letters Lizzie had pilfered from Mrs. Davies' writing desk and gave a slight bow to his audience. Longburn and Sons wasn't a very large firm. It consisted of her father, boorish and barely 20-year-old Collins, three other solicitors, two clerks, and Charlotte, the secretary. Nonetheless, Lizzie seethed as she watched Collins publicly claim for evidence that she herself had discovered. I am going to wring his neck, she muttered just loudly enough for Charlotte to cast a concerned glance in her direction. The important thing is that an innocent man will soon be free, Charlotte said. I suppose. Lizzie, you know that in all likelihood. Charlotte trailed off, knowing that she was dragging up something Lizzie knew all too well. She could not argue Mr. Davis's case herself. No matter how much she longed to be called to the bar, it was no matter, even if the courts would allow for a woman barrister. First, she would have to convince her father that such a calling was appropriate for his beloved 17-year-old daughter. I know, Lizzie said, but that doesn't mean he had any right to steal my work. <coughs> Collins accepted a handshake and claps on the shoulder from the other solicitors and clerks. Well... Mr. Bennett studied the letters. Gradually, the room quieted as they waited for Mr. Bennett to pronounce his judgment. This is good, Collins. Very good. I will speak to the magistrate right straight away. He paused heavily and then added, Of course, our client is not innocent. Yes, he is. I've just told you, sir. Collins smiled at Mr. Bennett in a condescending manner that Lizzie positively loathed. Lizzie's greatest strength was the quickness of her mind. But her greatness, greatest weakness, according to her mother, was the quickness of her tongue. Our client is Mrs. Davis, she proclaimed loudly, unable to stand it any longer, and she is most certainly guilty. Truly, the amount of patience Lizzie had to exert in this office was immeasurable. Collins should have been embarrassed by his fumble, but he didn't appear to be. In fact, he didn't even acknowledge the young woman who corrected him. Mr. Davis, Mrs. Davis, who cares? I should think that Mr. Davis would be so indebted to us for securing his release from prison that he'd be willing to pay us a small fortune. Don't count on it. The nature of mis marriage is mysterious. And besides, Mr. Davis may not have, have the funds. Mr. Bennett sighed. Papa. James Davis is the younger nephew of a baronet, Lizzie interjected, by marriage, but perhaps he will be grateful to the firm for keeping his relative's name out of the mud. Lizzie let the suggestion dangle, enjoying the way the, that Colin's eyes bulged with shock. How do you know that? Mrs. Davis told me herself. Did she not mention that when he called? Lizzie let her stare dig into Colin's hoping for some veil of regret or shame. Finding none, she turned back to her father and said, It is quite marvelous the things one hears when visiting Miss Lucas. 
Visiting Miss Lucas was the code phrase that Lizzie and her father used when Lizzie helped out around the office. Longburn and, so Longburn and Sons, though well established and of good reputation, was not a flourishing business. Between Mr. Bennett's preference for studying the law rather than practicing it, and his bumbling junior partner, the firm struggled, even with Lizzie's assistance behind the scenes. Very good, Mr. Bennett said. Step into my office, if you please, Elizabeth. Lizzie was all too glad to sweep past an irritated Collins and into her father's office. It was frightfully messy and her favorite room in all the world. It always smelled of ink and paper and rich pipe tobacco, which her mom strictly forbade her father from enjoying at home. The surface of the great oak desk was covered in books, papers, and a good number of half empty ink pots. Although the mess itched at Lizzie's inclination for order, she loved everything that this room represented. represented. Knowledge, hard work, quick thinking, and the pursuit of justice. The cases that unfolded in this room were far more interesting were far more fascinating to her than any drama that occurred in the drawing room. Papa, she, no, Papa, she began once they were seated. Mr. Collins has been lying again. <coughs> of course he has. Do you think I'd believe for an instant Collins would call upon Mrs. Davis? He doesn't have an enterprising bone in his body. Lizzie smiled. Good, this was going to be easier than she thought. However, you mustn't go with him in front of the others, Elizabeth. He will be the superior one day, and it does no good to make him look a fool. The smile slipped from Lizzie's face. This argument again. Mr. Davis was going to hang, and Mr. Collins would have done nothing to stop it. I only told him because you are out, and the hearing is set for tomorrow. Is that the only reason? Her father asked. Lizzie cast her gaze at a smear of ink on the wood of the desk. Her father was likely out of blotting sand again. She had better stop by the stationer on her way home. No, I heard him say nothing was to be done as I came in with my evidence and I couldn't help it. Disagreeing with Mr. Collins is entirely too enjoyable. It is one thing to be right, Mr. Bennett said, but it is quite another to be proclaiming it. Anyone with half a brain could see that Mrs. Davis and Mr. Alston set poor Mr. Davis up, likely with the intent to marry once he was out of the way. And we know you have far more than half a brain. If that is the case, then you should hire me instead of some stranger. Lizzie had intended to surprise her father, but he looked like he looked as if he had been expecting this change in topic. Ah, uh, you've been speaking to Charlotte? I read the job advertisement myself. As your unofficial accountant and assistant, I must advise you that hiring another person is not the firm's best financial interests right now. He picked up a stack of contracts that Lizzie herself had proofed and set upon his desk for final approval and signatures. If Colin is to become a barrister and spend all his time in court, that will leave us short a solicitor. solicitor. Better to bring someone on now before we're short-handed. Lizzie ground her teeth so as not to say what she was really thinking. Collins was utterly useless. He was lazy and created more work than he shouldered. Lizzie and her father were constantly tidying up his messes. In her view, his failings as a solicitor, where he was merely expected to attend a legal matter outside of court. 
did not foretell success as a barrister, where he would be expected to represent clients in a court of law. For whatever reason, her father refused to see the truth. It was as if he was expected that attending of an inn of court to become a barrister would transform Collins into a different man. Perhaps it was because Mr. Collins was a sole heir to the Bennett family business and much diminished fortune. Perhaps it was simply because Collins was his cousin's son. Either way, when Collins had arrived on their doorstep with a benefactress and passable letters of recommendation, Lizzie's father took him in like the son he didn't have. But if you must hire someone now, why not me? Lizzie pressed. I already do much of the work, and I could act as an unpaid apprentice until we're turning a profit again, and... Elizabeth, her father interrupted, I can't go against your mother's wishes where your future is concerned. Both father and daughter sat up marginally straight, as if simply mentioning Mrs. Bennet might summon her from thin air. The idea was quite absurd, since Lizzie couldn't remember her mother ever setting foot in Longburn and Sons. The very act of entering the business might actually bring on those dizzy spells she was always on the verge of succumbing to. Mama means well, Lizzie said, which is a generous way of saying Mrs. Bennet didn't know Lizzie at all. But I don't wish to marry a barrister. I wish to be one, and I wish for your support more than anyone's. Mr. Bennet gifted Lizzie with one of his small, delighted smiles. Lizzie was certain she was the only one who saw the side of her father, lively and amused at small rebellion. It was not spoken of, but it was no secret that Lizzie and Mr. Bennet had a special bond. Oh, her older sister, was Jane, was lovely and polite and considerate, and if Lizzie was quite honest, the only one of the lot who would never embarrass her father. Her younger sisters, Mary, Lydia, and Katie, Kitty, were not interested in anything beyond the drawing room. Lizzie was certain that her father secretly wished she had been born a boy, and while Lizzie had no complaints about being a young woman, sometimes she wished she weren't a young lady. It would be an unusual situation, Lizzie acknowledged, but I'm 17 now, and if I were your son, you wouldn't hesitate to offer me the position. Mr. Bennett regarded her for a long moment, and Lizzie hardly breathed in the hope that he was considering her point of view. If he gave in on this one thing, then perhaps, perhaps he would allow her to one day train as a barrister. She would show up Collins in every way, if it would convince her father. I'm not overlooking your argument, he said finally, although your mode of preservation relies a bit too heavily on pathos. Lizzie would have laughed at their conversation had a different tone. Her father had been the first one to teach her about Aristotle's methods of persuasion, pathos, ethos, and logos. Pathos was a method of appealing to her father's emotions, which was exactly what she had been attempting to do. The barrister picked up on it, of course. Considering I have no authority or experience and cannot use ethos, I assume that you would... Have me rely on Logos, she said. Mr. Bennett chuckled. If you convince me that I should hire you using logic and facts, then I shall consider it, which is a good offer, considering how much your mother will berate me for doing so. 
She wasn't sure if he was simply humoring her, but Lizzie began to mount an offense anyway. I solved the Davis case. Mr. Collins took my work. I am more than competent. I assigned the case to Collins. Her father countered, No, prove to me you are suitable for the job, and leave your contempt for Collins out of it. Lizzie turned this proposal over in her mind, torn between excitement and opportunity and resentment that she must work doubly hard to prove herself worthy for something that Collins had merely been handed. She knew she should just accept it. It would be the best offer she would receive, but her instinct to argue kept her from doing so. As if sensing Lizzie's inner turmoil, Mr. Bennett leaned across his atrociously cluttered desk and added, I do appreciate you, and your work on contracts is invaluable, and who knows, perhaps marrying a barrister one day in the far future wouldn't be such a bad fate. Lizzie folded her arms across her chest. I won't marry Mr. Collins. Even Mr. Bennett looked terrified at that thought. Oh, heavens, no.